Hey, and welcome to the QALead.com. Today, I have a special guest, Rory from 21 Labs. He's been doing some amazing stuff around AI-guided authoring using next-generation AI technologies for mobile. And he's going to tell us all about his story, coming from Israel over to California and the startup of his dreams. In the digital reality, evolution over revolution prevails. The QA approaches and techniques that worked yesterday will fail you tomorrow. So free your mind. The automation cyborg has been sent back in time. TED speaker Jonathan Wright's mission is to help you save the future from bad software. This podcast is brought to you by Eggplant. Eggplant help businesses to test, monitor, and analyze their end-to-end customer experience and continuously improve their business outcomes. Hey, how's it going? How are you doing? Good, good. Yourself? Yeah, really good. Sorry for the slight delay. I've been back-to-back on calls today, and it's it literally, um, I've just got off the phone with the uh, guys in California so they're just you know everything no, runs no worries, no like worries. a doctor's surgery <laughs> no worries I can understand that well, you're, you're based in England I am yeah so um, it, it, the time zones are very interesting at the moment um, and a couple of calls with Tel Aviv this morning and they're two hours ahead wow. so they kind of woke me up at seven o'clock for the first meeting and it's just kind <laughs> of it's crazy. kind of gone that way how, how about yourself whereabouts are you based we're based in uh, Campbell, California, it's, uh, San Jose, San Francisco area. Nice. Yeah. Well, what, I, what time is it now? It's uh, almost uh, 10 p.m.? Uh, no, no, it's, it's, it's six, six o'clock, 6 p.m., so it's okay. still absolutely perfect. But, yeah, I was based in Santa Clara when I was um, working um, for, for CA, so, it, you know, it was it – was, I do miss uh, Southern California. It's uh, it is a very different landscape. It's thunder and lightning out outside at the moment. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be like a hundred degrees today. It's uh, it, it, when you get used to living here, it's hard to leave. Absolutely. And I've been here fifteen years now, and I just don't see myself going back home. I don't. I just. Where are you from originally? I'm originally from yeah, from Israel, so. Yeah, all the best. All the best companies are from Israel. It's it's amazing just in this space how many how many companies and startups have uh, appeared out of Israel. Yeah, you know what? It's um, I, I read a book about this once. It's um, it seems like most there, there's a lot of good companies, but one big difference between the companies that come out of Israel and the companies that, for example, you see coming out of uh, I don't know the United States or even uh, Germany and England for that matter is that a lot of these Israeli companies, they get sold very, uh, very early on, right? It's not a, necessarily a mindset or let's, let's build the next Apple or let's build the next big company as it is with, you know, other European uh, startups or American startups. I mean, it's just interesting to see that different mindset. And it's like, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's that, that dream of an exit is that, that keeps turning startups up and running, you know, it's, yeah, absolutely. I, I was I was talking to uh, let me just think. Um, who was it yesterday? Joel yesterday. He's from the Mercury days, uh, mm. and he's at Practitest now. And um, you know, prior to that, I was talking to 
um, a lady who from a new startup called uh, Light uh, uh, Light Run, uh, which is a pr- um, production debugging tool. Um, and then it, on top of that, um, Alon, who was uh, who was I worked with quite closely, he was with the founder of Blaze Meter. He's just started his um, new stealth company, which is um, up nine, which is up nine dot com, uh, which is a API uh, microservice testing um, platform, uh, which is using AI, which is really interesting. It was something we were doing, working on. When I was um, in Santa Clara, we d- we launched something called Blaze API, which was the idea to do kind of Blaze Meter for APIs, and it just didn't quite work. I don't think the industry was ready for it, and we also started down the swagger route, and it just you know nobody had swagger specs, so it was just like never mind. So so yeah, so uh, I'll tell you a little bit about the podcast to kind of get you an idea. So you know. Um, we can. We'll obviously be edited and transcribed uh, the, the, by a team based out in Canada, um, and you can edit things and remove stuff. They're typically about thirty minutes long. Um, you know, it'd be great to kind of get you know an intro about kind of you, what you're doing. I know you wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the React, um, but sorry, the um, Appium challenges. Um, and yeah, we've had Iran on the show, in, who's also another Israeli, you know, superstar um, from, with Perfecto guys. Um, so yeah, okay. uh, and then and then you know we can if you've got a blog or something you want to put on the QA lead, you know, we can add the, the, that in when they when it launches as well. Definitely, yeah, that would be great. So yeah, that would be awesome. I think um, you know um, it would be great to tell you know a little bit about our story and then where we you know why we started, um, what did it look like when we first started, and what does it look like now, and a little bit about the challenges, because I think, you know, uh, one thing that I've learned in the last year is that mobile QA is is not what you think it is. I mean, when we first started, it was, we had a completely different mindset, and then we thought that, you know, we can do things in one way, and, but I guess it's a, it's a life of a startup. Um, but yeah, I think it would be great to kind of, and you tell me kind of how you want to start it, maybe tell a little bit about uh, about 21 and what we do and how we started, where we are today, and then we can kind of talk a little bit maybe about the challenges of, of not necessarily Appium, but the challenges of doing QA and, and how people perceive it. And, and, and you know, it, it's that whole, um, as a company, do you, you know, how do you find the, 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 the companies or the customers that are interested in doing QA? Because not necessarily everybody's interested in doing QA, right? Uh, so uh, I think, um, you know, I think we, maybe we can start by talking about 21 and, and what we are and, and, and kind of go from there. Uh, does that sound okay? Yeah, perfect. Well, I, I've got the recorded on, so we can literally start. Um, sure. I'll do the kind of the intros and, you know, your bio and stuff and prepackage that later and mix it all in. So, you know, it'd be good just to kind of, you know, welcoming you to kind of the show, you know, tell us a little bit about you and let's go from there. Sure, sounds good. So um, I've been in the mobile and, and machine learning industry for about, I want to say, almost 10 years now. Uh, I've had my own gaming company, my own uh, mobile game company. Um, we've uh, we've been out in the market for several years, had over 100,000 uh, monthly users. Um, in the last several years before I started 21, I was uh, mostly engaged in uh, machine learning, AI, reinforcement learning, which I got from, from the games uh, world, uh, reinforcement learning, natural language processing, and computer vision. 
Um, and uh, we started 21 uh, late 2018, early early 2019. Um, I joined uh, Shani Shom, who was um, who comes from the QA world. Uh, my 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 idea of QA before that was ah, let's write a bunch of unit testing to get it over with and just release the product and, and that's it. Uh, but Chani came from that world, which obviously is, is, is a much more organized world than a lot of developers think, right? Um, <clears throat> there's much more to QA than just writing or writing a bunch of, of, of unit testing or, or I'm not going and checking a few scenarios on the screen in functional testing. Uh, so we joined hands together 2019. We got introduced by a mutual friend and uh, we, immediately, we immediately got uh, started working. Chani uh, had a vision of, of how QA should work because uh, since he came from, from the industry as a uh, you know, former employee of Perfecto and some others, he really understood you know, what the challenges with QA are, right? Uh, you've got a lot of companies that are spending a ton of money on, on buying infra- infrastructure services and, 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 and cloud devices and whatnot, but, but still the majority of QA was still limited to, hey, let's either do it manually or write a bunch of Appium scripts or Selenium scripts and run them. Uh, so again, he had a different vision of what that that process should look like, what what real automation looks like, um, and we we started working. Uh, we started working. We started building kind of a, an MVP a product. We started showing people. Uh, we set out to build a truly autonomous QA system, uh, just to realize that you know, for most companies, they 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 want to check their own scenarios. They want to put. Uh, the 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 V the, the V mark the checkbox on their own scenarios, and autonomous testing doesn't allow you to get uh, to that point where you can create very complicated scenarios for testing. So if you've got, for example, a QA system where you have an autonomous uh, autonomous uh, um, uh, crawler or, or whatever you want to call it, whether it's web or mobile. Yes, you can go and click on some buttons and go from one screen to the other and, and capture screen and maybe do some basic assertions on general text. But every company has a very specific scenario. I want to check, for example, that when the user inserts his, his login information on, on the login screen, that I actually can validate that it exists on the profile screen, right? His name, his email, his phone number. And for an autonomous system, it's very, it's very difficult to build a system that can infer such scenarios. So again, we started with an autonomous crawler. We, we, we built an autonomous crawler. It was able to crawl you know, uh, on its own applications and, 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 and do quite an amazing thing just to realize that, hey, customers are not really interested in that, right? I mean, they, they want to put the box on, on whatever they want to test. Uh, so we kind of made a 180-degree change uh, through you know, halfway through the process and, and brought and, and essentially built a system where now companies can can really create a test uh, in a matter of minutes, a test that, that reflects the things that they want to test. They're able to um, run that test in the cloud without any need for devices in a matter of, of, of seconds, and they can do parallel executions. They can take that test and run it on, if it's an Android test, for example, they can run it on, I don't know, uh, five or ten different devices at the same time. Uh, we, we, we started from a place where when we first started building the system, I would say 25% of our tests used to pass, uh, or execution tests used to pass, and it would take you know, minutes, long minutes to run a test to a place where we're running about 6,000 uh, 6, executions a month. Um, 
the success rate of most of the customers that we have right now, leave aside bugs, is close to 100%. And it takes literally minutes or less than minutes to run these executions. I'll give you an example. We have one of our customers, they have a test that has 57 screens. And on each one of these screens, you have three to four different actions that they're performing. Uh, insert text, do an assertion, and whatnot. And that test, that, that test passes time after time, and it takes about, I would say, an average of four minutes to execute that test on any device, uh, which, is, which is incredible if you think about it. Um, so we're, we're in a much different place right now. I mean, and, you know, kind of put in context where, what we're trying to do at the end of the day. Um, so we're trying to, to build, or our vision is to, is to create a QA platform that you enrich the QA process with, with production data, meaning that um, you're testing or creating tests uh, for the scenarios that really matters. Because a lot of the QA that is done today, there's hardly any visibility to really what the users are doing. Let's, let's build a QA process or a QA uh, suite of tests or whatnot that is really based on that. Um, and one of our visions is to connect or to bridge that gap, meaning we know exactly what users are doing in the productions. These are, let, let's, let's build a set of suites or let's, let's create uh, uh, the QA based on that. Um, obviously, test maintenance is, is the hardest part of, of any QA process, and we'll talk about that in a bit. And part of our vision is also to reduce test maintenance um, and, and bring that to a minimum. And I think the final piece would be to bridge the gap between developers and function and UI testing. And what does that mean? So if you're a developer right now and you're either building a front-end piece or a back-end piece, you've got your unit testing, and you know before, uh, whenever you push to your branch or, or merge to development or whatever, you know that your, your, your unit tests are running in the CI/CD. Uh, there isn't such a thing really for, for, for function or UI testing. And what, what happens is, as a developer, you release a piece of code, you know that your unit has passed, but you're not really sure how that piece of code behaves in the real world, right? Uh, how does it behave in the hands of a user right now? And we want to bridge that gap. We want to bring it to a place where you as a developer, you write a piece of code, you know that piece of code affects, I don't know, the login screen, for example. You'll be able not only to run your unit test, but a, fun a set of functional tests to check the, uh, the, the UI login flow, to check everything that, in, that, uh, that involves around the, the, the work you've done in a matter of minutes. So instead of having to wait for a QA person to do it, you can do it in a matter of, in a matter of minutes, get feedback, and essentially develop uh, much better code, develop faster, um, reduce the time that you have to go and fix bugs and, and check things and, and whatnot. Uh, so this is kind of the vision of where we're trying to take to take uh, 21. It's more than just a QA system. It's It's... It has a lot more than that. Whether we're going to reach a day where it's 100% autonomous, that will be <laughs> determined uh, how fast, uh, I don't know, machine learning and AI advances. But um, in the meanwhile, I think that there's a lot that can be done to make it better, faster, more accurate, more aligned with the real world and what users are doing. Um, so maybe I'll take a pause here and kind of pass the ball back to you. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, for some questions or something, and then we can touch, you know, what test maintenance is, and Appium, and all of the stuff that, you know. No, that's really good. Um, you know, I've, I really uh, like the vision, and, uh, you know, it, it, it's got a lot of synergy with what I, my kind of thought processes are around it as well. So I'm 
doing a book with Iran at the moment, um, which is a follow-up on, and it's called Around Shift Right, which is this concept around joining production, uh, what the users are really doing with what's happening in, in on the left-hand side. And, you know, partly, as we were just talking beforehand, you know, when I was out in, in Silicon Valley, and what that was one of my big challenges, big pushes was, you know, how showing the, the analyst community, how can we take what's on the right-hand side and pull it back to create more realistic scenarios? Um, and I've seen a lot of, of, of ideas around this, and, you know, it's obviously very it's, it's maturing. Um, but, you know, part of it is, well, how, how do I learn on this, this right-hand side? Um, and I think, you know, we've we actually got a uh, – next week I'm doing a, a discussion panel with some people within the QA industry, uh, which you're more than welcome to join in on, um, which is around testing in the wild um, and testing in production. And the, the reason why this has kind of appeared was this kind of – you know, there's a lot of talk in the industry around crowd testing being potentially – a resolution for COVID and the fact that a lot of the, the teams have been ramped down and how do you ramp back up? Now, your product to me seems like it's a perfectly positioned product to to augment that. So to really uh, to work with the, the crowd testing companies to actually provide them with, with that device and also that kind of mechanism to capture uh, what real users are doing. And, and, and this is one of my personal and we uh, the last podcast we were talking about it around you know if uh, i've just finished doing some crowd testing for a, a fashion retailer um now i i personally which you can tell by what i wear but is, is unfortunately i don't have much fashion sense um and i'm also not the demographic that they're aiming for um so you know it's great to have an understanding of the demographic and also how they would use it. So, you know, I, I got a kind of a, I'm doing a gamification team, which we, uh, uh, meetings, which we meet every Friday and we share ideas, tips around gamification. And um, it was really interesting because we kind of talked about the fact that, you know, um, the Gen Z's of the world and now that actually we're on Gen Alpha and, and moving into Gen Beta, um, and, and the book that I did with with Iran, the first book around digital quality handbook was I talked about digital experiences. I said how my digital experience had changed between me being in my my twenties, my thirties, and my forties, right? Uh, and the fact that technology has changed, some of the complexity has been re- reduced, but at the same time, masked behind that is the fact that we know when you submit an image or you you want to do an image search of, of for a product, so you upload a picture of a a shirt that you you've seen your friend wearing and you wants to match it we know this computer vision we know there's a whole stack there might be even some serverless architecture kicking off to do that at the back end uh, some you know some some te- quite clever technology that's actually pushed away that and abstracted the complexity away from the end user um, instead of them using filters in Amazon to say I want a, a t-shirt which is formal and I want it with this kind of colors and you know, all this other kind of stuff. And I think as technology keeps on changing and, you know, the interaction with mobile devices and, and you know, connected devices. So I got a segue this week, not a proper segue, but just a, a, a segue uh, scooter. And, you know, the first thing I did was it had to connect to my mobile phone uh, to unlock it. And then I, I couldn't go past anything else until it had updated the firmware, kind of the over-the-air 
firmware update. Um, and then, of course, now it's completely linked. It's kind of linked into what I do. It's also gamifying me in the sense that it wants me to talk to the rest of the community. So I've already been, you know, talking to people, giving them advice about what happened to my last one and, you know, could they help? Uh, and also, you know, to encourage me to use the device and keep on using the app you know, consecutively over a number of days. Um, so behaviors are changing and how we come back into our devices, you know, using push notifications, you know, your your Firebase messaging kind of pushes and, and also kind of in-app uh, notifications. You know, there's this kind of con- this uh, digital connection between people using mobile uh, and the rest of the world. And I know you guys have been doing some work on the same MIT um covid uh safe paths project um and did some amazing work there and you know it's it's been groundbreaking with that kind of capability to go off learn through the paths and and actually start you know creating scripts to allow us to to quickly test uh and it's you know that kind of going from zero to to ten which you've already you can enable really quickly um and you know obviously as things go down the line you know the there's different types of testing that seem to be kind of emerging through. There's this kind of visual testing concepts of, you know, where we, we know the big vendors that have really focused on, well, what's the difference between the logo being slightly out or something like that, which we don't concern ourselves that much with, you know, when we're talking about using something like Re- React Native because we kind of, you know, we're, we're building an app, you know, a, an app for iOS and we're building an Android app and, you know, we're all good. But, you know, when I when I was doing some of the testing, I realized that even things like the, the, the fonts and stuff, you need to license onto those products. So your font might look slightly different based on different types of device. So there is a chance, you know, and also when you layer on top things like accessibility, you know, someone coming in and changing all their DPIs and their settings and their uh, their font sizes to, to could potentially break um, the, the form factor. You know, I've got behind me, I've got my, my, my iPhone SE, my 8, my my different form factors because they all seem to, to work slightly different. And I need those to, for my Appium tests locally. But, you know, if you don't want to manage your own mobile estate, you know, something like 21 is a perfect kind of solution for someone to actually A, get started with mobile um, testing and automation and also then kind of get them to that next next level of maturity. So, you know, do you see, you know, that's where your you know, customers uh, are and, and their use cases are at the moment? Yeah, so the... Um so thanks for sharing. I think you said a lot, and um, I think it's it's interesting to understand how. Or you touched a, a very interesting point, and in that 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 personalization, right? Um, and you can really compare it to customer service at service companies, right? Because tech companies don't have customer service; they have the QA process essentially. But if you're looking at service companies, they have customer service. Um, and that, that's the analogy that I give QA. Now, how do you test an app or uh, a website, for that matter, that is more personalized? And it's more true to uh, mobile applications because they're much more personalized than web applications. Uh, there's, I don't think I've seen that many web applications that, that users actually go and try to kind of personalize the experience around that, changing the fonts, changing changing uh, the way that uh, the, the website load and whatnot. It's more prevailing in mobile application because it's more accessible. 
Um, and I, I think the experience itself, people view, okay, I have an application on my phone. It's a much more personal to me than I'm going to a website and, and looking at the content. Now, how do you test for that? How do you go and say, okay, take an example of a company that has 100,000 users. And you've got the QA team that has built a set of suites, a set of QA uh, tests or a set of tests, and, and they're running them. But at the end of the day, you know, to truly create a QA process where you're testing the things that your users are doing, um, if you think about the personalization part, your QA tests can branch out to dozens, if not hundreds of different branches that contain all of that personalization information, right? The, the fonts look different. Uh, the screen size is a little bit bigger. Um, I don't know, they change the colors. They, they might be able to move some icons left and right and whatnot. I've seen applications where users can actually change the layout of the bottom, uh, the bottom bar, right, the navigation alignments. Um, and at the end of the day, you want to test that. Now, that being said, you don't want to create a, an environment, a QA environment where you're overloading, right? You don't want to be able, you don't want to test every possible scenario because that is just becoming impossible, number one, to maintain, and number two, to execute. Um, in order to execute a set of suites that contain every possible, you know, permutation of, of what stuff that, that users are doing, um, you're going to need hundreds of emulators. You're going to need, I don't know, days of execution time. The, the whole idea is to say, we're developing a piece of software. This is an agile world. We're developing a piece of software. How quickly can we test what we're developing both in the unit testing world and in the functional world so we can release this to the world? Um, and that's what we're trying to do, essentially. We're trying to bring it to a place where, and COVID is, an, is a good example, where me as a user, whether I'm a company that writes scripts right now or whether I'm doing manual testing, I can go in a matter of seconds upload my, my APK that I just released, whether it's through the CI or through a platform, and choose what I want to run, assuming that I already have tests. If I don't have my test, then I can create at the moment until you know production will kick in for us. At the moment, it takes us, I don't know, a matter of minutes, you can actually create a functional test. Um, I would love to show a demo and tell me if that's okay. But in a matter of minutes, you can actually create yourself a test uh, by just clicking and dropping and dragging on the screen. Our, our, our interface is a very UI, very intuitive um, uh, uh, user experience, um, which allows you to create things very quickly. So, you know, bringing it down to focus, at the end of the day, companies, whether you're a big company or a small company, um, QA is, is, is part of your process, right? Whether you think you're doing it right or not, QA is part of your process. And the whole idea is to do this, uh, to bring it to a place where it's, it's agile enough that um, not only developers can make use of it, which they are not at the moment, but also your, your product managers, um, your, your, your QA team, uh, everybody that can, that can get involved. It shouldn't be a piece of, a QA shouldn't be a piece that only QA engineers or QA person is dealing with because it also involves the developers and it also involves the product managers. Um, and the way that we created our application is very visual. Number one, it, it helps. You know, one of our customers, they have an application that it's a questionnaire. Um, and it, there, there's, there's dozens of permutations for that questionnaire because whatever you choose on this screen can lead you to five different screens in the next, in the next step. So, you know, from a product, from a product manager standpoint, they would really want to understand 
okay, I've, I've got this application that can branch out to multiple directions. I, I want to see what it looks like. I want to see what, you know, what the user experience looks like. I want to understand how when, when the user goes from screen A to screen B and he's got multiple options, what does that look like? And allowing you to part of our system, you can actually see a graph of the system and, and how everything lays on, on top of one another, allows you to understand, okay, this is the scenario, this is our test, this is what we're testing, does this align with, with, with what I vision for the product? Uh, that being said, you know, as, as, the, as the developer in our platform, um, we've, got, we've got some QA engineers that are running their, their tests through the CI, CD, some of them are running through the platform, but the feedback is very quick. When you're running it through the CI, CD, for example, um, you're getting the feedback immediately. You're getting results of your test uh, instantly. Um, and I, I think, you know, with all the respect to try to personalize everything, I think it's going to be impossible to test every possible scenario. You want to get as close as possible to what the majority of your users are doing, right? You don't want to leave people out, but at the end of the day, you got to be realistic. Um, and, and, and at the end of the day, if you think about it, it's also something that can help you develop a much better product because if you see that the majority of your users are using a very specific path and they're using very specific, um, let's call it, uh, they, they live within the same or, or the same sphere of personalization, um, it helps you kind of focus and help you kind of um, uh, shift your development and shift your product development in into that world. Uh, because, you know, I don't think, in terms of product, having a product that try to satisfy everyone um, is good because you're losing focus and you're losing, you know, your comfort zone. You're losing the place where users feel most comfortable in your application. Um, but I don't think that right now there is a solution out there that provides that ability to check and test for different personalization unless somebody created a test for that, which, you know, I, I find it very difficult for, for, for QA teams to create every test for every personal uh, personalization flow that users have created. Yeah, and I guess it's diminishing returns as well if you look at how many surplus uh, scenarios you need. That's true. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, uh, overloading the QA team with, with scenarios that are testing a fraction or even part of the flow that, that, uh, of, of a test, for example, is something that, that is personalized by some users. You don't want to have too much of a base to test. At the end of the day, the more focused you are on what users are doing, the most focused you are on, on, on the flows that matter, the better your QA process looks like. Right. Um, and that, that's, I think, where users should be aiming to go. Um, I think once we put our production piece in place, is something that's in development right now, but once we put that in place, it will give the QA teams, the product, the engineering, much more visibility as to what really matters in terms of the screens that users are found on, the actions that they take, when they take those actions, and allow them to really focus their efforts on building building tests that matter. Because, you know, we see customers that, that they have a suite of 30, 40, 50 tests, but to be honest, a lot of them are either redundant, they, they check flows that I doubt how many users actually are, are using those flows. But they're there. And, I, I, you know, I don't know if, if they write them just to feel comfortable and say I've, I've mapped 100% of my application, 
which you might not have to, right? Um, and if you compare this to a customer service, you know, and you're trying to improve your service or you're trying to, to provide, um, you know, customer service that satisfy everyone, you can't, right? There's always going to be somebody that may not have the experience that they're expecting. And I guess that's part of business. Even if you take Disney or you take AT&T, you take any, even, and even Apple, for example, I love Apple products, but even I have issues with their, with their software. Every time they, they release um, some software, something else breaks, right? Um, it, Disney, you know, it may be great for kids. I don't know, maybe grandpas are not going to like it so much. Um, and in the QA world, you know, it's okay if you don't test for everything. As long as you test for the things that really matter for the majority, and the majority, I say, over 90% of, of your users, you're in a good spot. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And it, and I think what's really nice about what you're talking about here is, you know, it's just how easy it is to actually get using the product because, you know, what I found personally, than you know, uh, my kind of background, I, I found it really challenging just to kind of understand the estate, which you had to get all set up. So, you know, your, your Appium's, you know, having to use an Apple product to be able to access the, the iPhone, um, you know, it, it felt like it was quite restrictive for somebody who wanted to get from, you know, having no scripts or no tests to actually having something which is valuable and, and they can rerun and, and, and start building on. Um, and I think, you know, I, I, I love Appium, but, you know, part of it is it's not as easy, like you said, making it more visual, making it very easy, drag and drop, that kind of basic capabilities you know getting people to that position is actually really useful you know the, the signing certificates on on apps and just all that general kind of steps you have to do to be ready to actually take step one of, of recording something or automating something and then the whole complexity around kind of the equivalent dom repository within a mobile landscape you know it can be quite hard and also hard to maintain which i think was kind of one of the things you were talking about is that how we reduce that maintenance bird burden on 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 both the developers testers or the, the you know like you said the, the product team yeah so it's a good point um i i remember when we first started and we're trying to create that that initial infrastructure uh, to be able to support um, um, the way that the product looks right now, it took me days, literally days, just to get everything set up for Android. I'm not even talking about iOS, which is a completely different animal, but getting your Appium set up and having your Appium talk to your, uh, to your Node and to your Python script and, and to your Java. And, um, and, and you got to connect the source library. you got to connect the Perfector right now. And this device doesn't work. And this device works. And, but this configuration is wrong. We brought it to a place where all you have to do is just upload your APK. You can go to our, uh, you can create tests essentially in two ways in our system. One is you can go to our recorder. We have a recorder that is uh, uh, streaming live to your browser. You don't have to install anything on an emulator, like you know the recorders that are found out there. You don't even need a device. You can you can uh, install start our recorder and start creating the test, and you're getting live feedback as to what's going to be the application. You can interact with it. Or you can essentially start, you know, I don't want to use the recorder. I know exactly what I want to click on or what I want to do. And you can very intuitively just add, start adding some blank screens. You can add some actions on them. When you execute your test, you will see those screens update with real data. So the next time that you go to your test, you'll, you'll see the XML DOM there. You'll see the image. You'll be able to essentially hover on the screen and see all the elements and highlight all the elements. Um, so we brought it from a place where 
you know, it, it, it takes specialty. It takes knowledge. It takes time to just get a script running. I'm not even talking about connecting to a device, but just get a script running to a place where user is completely abstracted from there. They don't, you know, a lot of our users don't even know what AppU means, right? They don't know what a script is. I, I know that I go, everything is visual. I can click on an element. I can insert a text in that element. I can, I don't know, even create custom code if I like. And I click on a run button and it executes. And to bring it to a place where you can do this both for iOS and Android, uh, in less than a year, I don't want to, I don't want to sound, you know, uh, arrogant, but it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Um, and, you know, and then we're talking about the, the auto maintenance piece or the maintenance piece, which is, I think, where, you know, getting started, it's hard enough, right? Getting started is hard enough. But now that you've started, you've got 50, 40 tests. Some of our clients, their application changes on a daily basis. And now you've got a bunch of new screens in your applications. You've got a bunch of new buttons. You have existing screens that buttons have shifted, right? And, you know, what do you do? Uh, your tests are not going to pass right now, or a lot of your tests may fail. Not only that, you know, if you're looking at the whole world of, of applications, every company builds applications in different frameworks. You, you've got your React, you've got your Cordova, your HTML5, your, your native uh, Java and, and Swift. And we have applications where you're looking at the XML that's coming from the device, the DOM. It is completely empty. You just have the widgets. You don't have any IDs. You don't have any text. You don't have anything. How do you take that now and give a user the ability to still select the elements, to still click on buttons? So we brought it into a place where we can take essentially any application, regardless of the framework that it was built, and still give the user the experience of, hey, I can click on that button, I know where this is, and I can add this text, and I can do an assertion uh, without the need to understand really what is a DOM. Do I need to have an ID? Do I need to talk to my developers? Um, and what the way that we created our application, the way that we modeled the application in a, more, in a, much, in, in a, in a really visual way where we have screens and we have edges, and essentially edges are just a connection between two screens, allow us to really make the maintenance of these tests much easier. Um, there's one company that they completely changed their application. They, they changed their business model. They changed their application. I think, I think it took Shani about 70 minutes to update their entire test suite, 70 minutes to go and update the test. Now, if you're an automation engineer, you'll have to go each script and script and, and, and test it and run it and change and do that. Um, and, and our maintenance piece, part of our maintenance piece, and, and this is just the beginning of our vision, is whenever something changes in the application, right, um, you can go right now in our system if, if you want to create or update your test, you know that something has changed. All you have to do is go to one test, make the changes, and all of your other tests that are affected will be applied. And that reduces your time to, 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 uh, of maintenance substantially. Um, and at the end of the day, what we're aiming for is a system where you don't even have to update one of your tests. Whenever you upload a new file, a new APK, We'll be able to automatically identify what changes exist between, between your current tests that ran on a previous application to your current tests that are running on this application and apply automatically all the changes that were detected into your test suite. Now, bear in mind that such a process can obviously take time. So the user might not, it's not something that the user will be doing. It's something that's going to be done automatically. But I, I think it's important also when you're building a QA product, and I see this with, with, with a lot of other products, 
um, that feedback to the user is very important, especially people that don't really understand that what Appium is, how long it takes to run a script, how long it takes to spawn an emulator on SourceLab for a second, uh, for, 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 uh, for an example. And I think creating um, a platform or creating an environment, a user experience where you're constantly giving feedback to users that are not familiar with that, what is going on is very, very important to creating an experience that allows them to, uh, number one, maximize what they're trying to do, but also um, is very engaging because you can go to a lot of platforms, you'll click on a button, or for example, if you're trying to use a recorder, right, um, in, in, in some other web product, it can take you an hour and a half just to create one script, right, one test. For a user that doesn't know what automation is, they'll probably fall after the first uh, five, 10 minutes. Um, and, you know, this is something that, again, we, we haven't perfected yet, but we are constantly working on trying to create that experience where, you know, you, you understand, although you don't have to know app, you don't have to know scripts, you don't care what source lab is, you still get the feeling of what is going on, that there's a, a lengthy process or that there's some process that requires waiting and requires some updating and requires something uh, to essentially relay the, the, the message to the user, hey, there's a lot of heavy lifting that is, that is happening right now, uh, but at the end, you'll get something really good. Um, and in our platform right now, the process is very seamless, right? Uh, even just when you run the test, for example, when you build a test and you run it, the feedback is immediate. Um, it takes less than a minute for the test to start running, and you're constantly seeing images coming in, streaming to your, uh, to your web browser of the test that is running. You don't necessarily have to wait for the test to be completed in order to understand what was going on. You can see everything in live. Um, and, and this is just one thing of the process that we're, we're taking in order to create a user experience that matches um, every other application today in the world, although the underlying technology, Appium Selenium testing, is a heavy lifting process, right? Yeah, no, I, I think it's, it's a really great idea and concept because, you know, I, I, you know, when you use something like AWS Labs, right, you, they've got some really cool functionality like the fuzzy uh, mode, which goes through and tries to discover pages, but then it always gets stopped by the login or whatever else it is. Okay. You don't really know what you're doing, right? You're kind of going, well, I've got, I can upload my own Appium script, great. Um, I can do this. I can let it do a simple test, whatever that means. Um, and you don't really feel like you're involved with doing the quality assurance tasks that you're kind of assessed, assigned to, right? And I think that's what's really nice about this, the, what you're talking about here on, with 21 is that actually you're involved with it and you're building something and you're seeing the results of what you're doing and you've got that instant feedback and, you know, uh, in, you know and, and, which is really valuable because I think that's missing from all of these tools. You know, they are at core, they'll do the job but they'll do job, like you said, with seven days worth of, of time being burned into it um, when really you want to get to that naught to two, three st very quickly. And then you want to start saying, okay, I, I now have an asset. Oh, wait a second. I'm fixing the asset when I, when it breaks, you know, I can put it into my pipeline. You know, I've got all this, this, this value. And I think that's the key is that value driven delivery approach of, where should I be spending my time and what value am I going to get out of it at the other side? Um, and I think it is very hard. I think that mobile testing um, is, is probably um, understated in the industry as just how difficult it is. You know, it's very easy for someone to pick up Postman, do API testing very quickly. You know, it's very easy for someone in the old days with Selenium Builder but and now the new days 
to, you know, just hit record button and start doing something. Appium, you know, has been a challenge and it has been a kind of, uh, yes, we, we're nearly there, but we're not completely, the vision's not completely done. Um, and of course, yes, emulators, um, you know, spinning up an emulator with your Android Studio or your Xcode, you know, it's great if you're a developer and you're signing your own certificates and like you've got an Apple account and uh, Apple developer account and, you know, it all seems to kind of come in, but there's still a lot of learning that needs to get put there. Whereas if you've been assigned a task, which is, you know, build some tests or even execute some tests, run some tests on a device, then you want to be able to get that fast and you know, start seeing value. So, you know, for those people who are listening, who want, kind of want to get to, to know your product and, and what's the best way for them to kind of get up and running, you know, actually start doing some testing? Um, so obviously go sign up. <laughs> sign up to the, to the platform. Um, we are in the process, so we actually implemented a, a really interesting onboarding process. Because these products are complicated, right? And when you're trying to take something complicated and, and, and give it to somebody that may not have an idea how it works, I think a, a solid onboarding process is really important. Uh, right now, you can go to 21labs.io, sign up. Um, you'll get an invitation. You'll, you'll log into the platform, and you'll be taken through a tutorial. Um, and that tutorial essentially will, will have you create a test uh, on a sample project in a matter of less than a minute. And you'll be able to actually go through the process of running that test and seeing the results. Um, and that kind of gives you an idea of how easy it is to create a test and how easy it is to run a test. From there, all you have to do is just upload your APK, use the recorder, or just, you know, uh, just add a bunch of blank screens. Uh, again, our, our UI is very intuitive. Um, and, and you'll be able to, to, to get your application started in a matter of less than, I would probably say less than, than 10 minutes. You can upload a file, create a very basic test, 10, 15 screens, and run it. Um, we are obviously still in the process that we are, we are uh, helping the, the initial users to really understand the process because, again, you know, it's a, we're still a fairly new product and trying to, to, to really nail that, that onboarding process where uh, somebody that doesn't understand anything about the QA world can come in, sign up, and, 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 and use it. Um, it, it, will take, it will take a little bit more time, you know, some of the people that sign up for our, for our platform are our VP of engineering, our CTOs, product managers, trying to test this tool. And again, you're trying to take something that is super complicated and bring it to a place where a user can sign in and, and just start using the product. Um, and because it's not an autonomous crawler, right? Uh, if, you're, if this is an autonomous crawler, like let's say Google, uh, Firebase and whatnot, you just have to upload the file and you'll see, you know, you, you'll see your, your application get stuck on the login screen and you're done. Uh, but because this is, this is a much more robust system, we're trying to, to bring it to that place, but with a lot more value and your application doesn't get stuck on the login screen. Um, but again, right now, the best way, go to our website, 21labs.io, uh, sign up. Um, you'll get invited to, to a project. Um, you'll see a sample project. You'll be able to play with the system to really go through the process of creating a test. Uh, running that test, and then from there, you know, you, you can just continue on your own. Uh, uploading builds are very easy. You can just choose your platform. I want to upload to iOS or Android. We we actually test your build as you're uploading it. We're testing your build to ensure that this build can actually run on an emulator or a real device. Um, and and um, if there's a problem with that, we'll, we'll obviously let the user know, but that, that would be the easiest way to start. Nice. That sounds really good. I love the idea of a, a dummy app to get you going and show you how quickly it can be done. 
uh, you know, I keep on learning. I, I was just looking because Paul uh, Grossman, who's the uh, the dark arts wizard in the uh, the Selenium world, he shared me this candy mapper, which I'd never come across before, which is surprising in the automation landscape. And it's just a, a whole website full of, you know, uh, I think you're supposed to find candy in a in a uh, Google Maps landscape. But every day it changes. So like the the buttons will break you know, certain uh, texts can't be accessed. And they've done it purposely to kind of give you a chance to to try something difficult to see how you'd fix it. Um, mm. And I like that idea of having an app where you can kind of get it up and running, you can see it, get it building, and then prove that actually, you know, you're familiar with it. And also then, you know, get you through, well, what do I do with maintenance? You know, what do I do with all these other steps so it sounds really great and so so how's the best way to kind of contact you as well so you know is it linkedin twitter what what's you know the best way for for listeners to sure. kind of reach out yeah definitely so first of all i'll share my email uh, uh on the on the blog itself but uh find me on linkedin uh i don't use twitter i deleted my facebook account i don't know <laughs> about two years ago uh, but linkedin would be the best way and i'll share my email yeah. Wonderful. Well, it's been absolutely fantastic having you on the show and I'm really excited to see 21labs.io and where it's going to go because, you know, it sounds like you've got exciting things and you've got some some really clever people there doing some really clever stuff. So thanks so much for taking the time out. And yeah, um, yeah. I appreciate the offer. Thank you so much. All right. Take care for now.